0: Today's sponsor is Vibration. Vibration provides designer hydration packs designed to make you look cool, keep your stuff safe, and stay hydrated at music festivals and events. Their holographic designs add to your festival ensemble. Make sure you get your pack using promo code BB Media Industries LLC to save 10% on your new pack on Vibration.com. Oh, and one more thing. Free shipping on orders over $75. Hashtag life's a party. Stay hydrated. Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. First and foremost, I want to thank you for finding this podcast. And if you're a recent or new listener, thank you again. And tell your friends about us. Uh, Some more housekeeping to get to is if you are a iTunes subscriber, please subscribe to this podcast and if you like what we're producing here please leave a favorable rating and comment it helps this podcast be found by other listeners and if you are an android user and use the stitcher app the likewise response would be very helpful in terms of a rating and comment and if you have not already on social media we can be found on facebook at trending topics with bb it's a page as well as on instagram and twitter at ttwithbb and if you want all the links to all of what i've just said please head over to bbmediaindustries.com now my first guest of 2018 has actually been on this podcast once before uh back when it was in its early beginning stages this podcast has been around for a few years i'm talking about lawrence warrell now if you don't know who this guy is uh You will learn a little bit more. This guy is as real and as raw as it gets. We became friends through mutual loves of music. That story's kind of been the first episode that he was on. Uh, But this, I had to have him on again because, as you will see, he's very uh, out there with his thoughts, which is great. It's very refreshing to be real and just let people know. And, as you will say, he does respect his fans because he is a musician, but he also is just a real human being, and without further ado, I give you my chat number two with Law.
1: So, Law, thanks again for joining me. I mean, I've been meaning to chat with you again on the podcast. It's been, I've had this podcast for a couple of years now, and mm-hmm. I, I either go on a binge where I produce a lot of episodes, or um, due to my other life stuff going on, I just haven't been able to uh, get as many produced, but I'm hoping um, it'll, Go around, but the reason I wanted to chat with you again is because I've been following. Well, I mean, we've been following each other for years now, but yes, we have. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I support you. I'm always thank you so much. (laughs) I'm always loving your posts and stuff on social media, just being real because there's so much fake out there in the world. Well, thank you. I I appreciate it. vocal. Recently, just because it's so exhausting with with everything going on. But Mm -hmm. the one thing that needs to be addressed is the fact that we can have these conversations and be real. And Mm -hmm. that's why I kind of wanted to chat again. I mean, from your movement in music to just anything that's really going on really in pop culture. So first and foremost, let's just chat about I know you just uh, re-released your albums, correct? And, and
2: yes, I have. Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how cool that is and how there – I think you've added more platforms now that we have Spotify and all the different ways. Yeah, it's it's
2: funny. You, it's so crazy you said that because I just realized when I first put out the the first album, Spotify wasn't even out which is crazy because I had to – until you said that, I had to really think about that. Like, I literally put out, you know, it's – it's you know, the first album changed my life in a lot of different ways because, um you know, it was done pretty much halfway on a dare and halfway with my back against the wall as I was trying to pray and hope that most major labels would see what everybody else was seeing, and and they didn't. So instead of me waiting around and waiting for certain people to make moves – I put this album out on faith, and it, it, it returned back to me a good favor and an incredible fan base for people that hungered for um, for more diverse music and different genres and, and just somebody who was unapologetic, you know, about the approach and, and how to do music and everything. So um, when I decided to re-release this album and the live album – It's because I'm making room for all the new music and new projects I got got coming this year. And I had to – I think it was probably around November or December. I went through my laptop, my trusty laptop, (laughs) went through my laptop, and I saw a bunch of songs that I'm like, you know, I got all these songs sitting here. And then I had other songs that I had recorded during the Planet 12 Syndrome album that I didn't put on the final release because I was trying to save some of it for – the the um the the third album so when that happened it was just like you know what the fans have been so i mean because i don't know if you really realize but the last four or five years you know outside of the live album which i only had kept up for five months it really was a a a combination of the movement building so much over the like that one album had so much staying power that a lot of fans were coming out of nowhere and the people who were seeing my forums and, and hearing about me. And then, you know, you know how it is, the word starts spreading. People see what you say. And then they always agree. That's why I always say at the end of the day, it's always about the music first, because to be honest, if the music wasn't good, nobody would give a damn about what I have to say or anybody else for that matter. I think that you should be able to talk the talk and walk the walk because you could say all this about the state of music and how it needs to be this, how it needs to be that. But then if your music is trash, (laughs) nobody's going to really care. So, again, the last four years without having a new record out and the fact that that first album just kept building and gaining more fans and people that didn't hear about it the first time, and then even some fans who have been around that long, and they had never bought a law album. They just were fans of the way I speak and and the, the, the clips that I was putting up of me performing in the house or on stage and and people who I worked with, the Amy Winehouse stuff, the P-Funk stuff, and then once they finally decided to buy the album, they saw that the the, the hype was real. So um, it's very exciting. And last but not least, um, I think more so because of the fact that I use the re-releasing of both of these albums to prove my point about having power in the music industry as an independent artist. Because if I was a major label artist. I wouldn't have been able to re-release my own music. I would have to go to the record label to get permission to do it. And that's the, the the downside of when you're on a major label unless you have a great negotiated contract. You can't just do what you want to do. But when you own your master recordings, because see those two albums? I own those. When people pay for them, the money comes directly to me. I don't have to go through middlemen and all this other stuff to, to get to what I need to get to for people that supported me. And any, and any fan should feel good knowing that if you're paying for the album, it's going directly to the artist and not having to go through that. Cause we hear these stories every single day about artists being broke. And you see, you saw the recent post I just put up about um Mary J. Blige and how people didn't realize that she sold over 75 million records and won nine Grammys. And last year she was homeless.
1: Right, a lot of people obviously, don't know that. I mean, obviously they, they, they don't. They don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Explain that. I mean, she's not going to say, "Oh yeah," because of you know PR and all the other bullshit. Mm-hmm. But, exactly. But in, so it's so that, that was very, real. That was,
2: that was very important. It's still real. And the thing is, just that I'm using that as power behind my words. So between the marriage a Blige post and then the fact that. I had just re-released the album. I think it was probably a few days before she got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It was just to pretty much to hammer my point because, again, people can hear you, but it's different between hearing you and then listening because listening to me is understanding. You can hear somebody, but if you don't listen, you're not understanding why these things are being said when it comes to support, and people just think that, oh, artists are battling. Oh, because that's all they see. They see the videos. They see the the glam, the glitz. People know you and stuff like that, but they don't realize that a lot of artists suffer the same fate when they don't have some kind of ownership. Because even if you don't own everything, if you don't have some kind of ownership over your work or control over how your shows are done or what type of revenue is coming in for you as an artist, you know, it's painful. It's really a pain. That's why I, That's why I don't get surprised when people be like, oh, they turned not to drugs and went crazy because – Unless you have a strong spiritual base, it will drive you crazy because you, when you think about all that you have to do just to maintain a living and you can't do what you want to do, which is music, and you have to fight through all the litigation because people own your stuff and you don't even own it. Ludacris said that in the rap. He said, how you own three cars, but you don't even own your own name? And you know how many people have suffered that fate? And that's that's even crazier. People have to change the Jacksons had to change their name. A lot of people don't know this if you know Jackson's history. When they left Motown, when when Jackson 5 left Motown, Barry, the same father figure that was a father to all of them, he said, "Okay, y'all can leave, but guess what? I'm keeping the name." And that's how they became The Jacksons. I mean, thank God that that's their last name and they were able to flip it. But can you imagine if it would have been another name that nobody had never heard of and then they had to go get another name and let people get used to that name? So they were pretty lucky, but it's still, what's the whole point I'm making? Ownership of the shit. Like, you have to be able to know that. So, again, going back to my point about my albums, I've used that as a reference point to know that when artists are supporting these re-release deluxe editions, I added four more songs to both albums, plus the people who purchased it. They get four more tracks, um, unreleased stuff that I had in my vault for the longest, just so they can get more Law music. So by the time the next album comes out in the summertime, they'll understand the trilogy of it all. Like they'll be able to understand and be able to say that I'm a Law fan. I have all, all of this music up to date. So,
1: right. And what do you think? Is it why do you think that? I mean, there is a lot of push for <laughs> owning your own music and I mean, obviously, we saw that with Prince. Prince didn't like the internet because he, he mm-hmm. so we stealing his crap, which he had a point. I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. We saw that when Master came out and Lars from Metallica, you know, was pissed off. I understand that. But mm-hmm. why do you think there, a lot of artists are still going and signing all these contracts where they don't really know the terms instead of going, um, on an approach like this? It-
2: It's costability. I mean, and the thing is, is that we've been fed for so long. If you look at the history of music going all the way back to the the 1920s and the 1930s, everything is set up through the establishment. So when they're offering to pay money for distribution of your record, that leaves you with very little of the work. That means all you have to do is just make the music, go into the studio, record, give it to them, and they'll take care of the rest. But there's all the mechanical stuff that goes with that because they're basically paying for distribution so they don't have to do all the footwork. And while that is a good thing, there's the flip side to it because the record label pretty much is banking. I mean, I always tell people, you want a lesson in banking, look at the music industry because a lot of people see you know, the, the cars and the videos and the homes and things like that, some of it is rented, and a lot of it they have to still go through their manager's bank account to attain certain things because there's so much ownership over the artists and their earnings. So there's that, that's why I said stability, not the right kind of stability because eventually if you didn't read the fine print on your contract and you discover some shit later on like so many artists did when they realized, oh, they're to be out of all this money and then, you know. But because you allow that trust factor to seep in and just let them handle everything without looking at your own paperwork, without reading the contracts or getting a lawyer to read your contracts, there's so many things that come along with it. And so many people have to keep learning the hard way. You know, my grandfather was one of them. You know, I talk about him often because he went through that until he finally got smart, you know, and thank God he got smart just in time, even though it was later on in past his prime years. But in his prime years, he he went through that, you know, it, it went to him and a, and a whole lot of other blues and funk artists and then some of the rap, the early rap artists, See, some of the, the, the later rap artists of my era got smart, but a lot of the early ones didn't really, didn't really benefit from what they helped to create. You know, a lot of them ended up broken penniless penny and some of them still have to tour now just to keep the money flowing and the revenue flowing. Thank God that these records are still important, that people love them because when they go perform, people will pay to go see them. But a lot of them don't even get the profit off of those records because of the bad contracts and, quote-unquote, the stability. So that's why you see a lot of artists still chasing after that. And I always tell people, you know, I'm not knocking major labels because some major labels are actually good. But as my grandfather once told me, you are what you negotiate. So even though that's why I always tell people, you know, Bruno, Bruno Mars is – is doing incredible. You know, he's wrote so many great songs for people. He sold over a gazillion a million copies. All I said is that I hope his contract is right. I hope that he I hope that he's benefiting from it more than the average artist should because it would be pretty crazy if he comes out a year later and says there's some stuff going on with the record label and then it's gonna be like, damn, here we go now. Now you're gonna be in court like George Michael for six years, you know? So that's why you see a lot of that.
1: Okay, so that, do you also think it's by genre, though? Because as you might know, I don't know if probably mm-hmm. listeners know, I mean, I like electronic dance music. Like, I
2: Yeah, I love EDM. I love EDM. Yeah,
1: and depending on your sub-genres and the genres you could go, that's a whole other debate. But do you think, because that's been such, I would say, an underground movement to Main Street movement in itself, that. Mm-hmm. Full see, even the labels in that genre, those labels seem to be a little bit more, I wouldn't say legit, but more uh, reputable in terms of you don't really hear artists. Yeah, I,
2: it, you know, it's so. You know, it's so I, I, by the way, that's a great question, because um, me and my boys just talked about this a couple of days ago. You were talking about, I say yes and no, because the thing is that, I mean, because you're right about that, like, you don't hear a lot of this shit In in um in the EDM department because a lot of times with EDM records depending on like especially because honestly EDM is really a singles driven industry genre. It's not really built up on albums. You have every now and I think somebody like Calvin Harris is. He's to be honest, Calvin Harris is probably the only guy of that genre that can put out a whole album and it'll sell five million copies around the world and everything because I just felt like he built his reputation so much from the underground. And to be honest, I think he understood and knew how to do good business in the midst of all that, which is why he's able to profit. So in the EDM culture, I think it's definitely a little bit more easier, whereas with some of the other cultures and genres of music, it, it is harder. Because in hip-hop, is saturated. And the thing is that oversaturated, I'm sorry, it's oversaturated. And when you got 90% of the artists doing the same kind of music, they're fighting for space. You know, so it creates a lot of you know everybody coming in right now as we speak. There's a kid right there's a 15 year old kid right now in this room looking at 21 Savage Amigos and like I could do that. I want to get on. I could do that. And there's one in every city, and that's when the, the it's kind of like a growth start because now the labels are typical up the hottest thing. But there's the next hottest thing every fucking week. So that's how the genre dies because they're not allowing the older guys who are still making great records on some of the newer people who are younger, but they're different. They don't do trap rap. They do great balanced hip hop and they just make meaningful songs, but they may not get as much attention as the trap rappers do. Soul and R&B, forget about it. That's a whole nother conversation for for another time. But it is just because that's, that's, that's a deep rooted one considering how old R&B is and considering the legacy of it. So, Rock and roll suffers the same fate, but at least with rock and roll, a lot of the artists took more control over their touring and their merchandising and things of that nature. And I would say the most beneficial genre is country music because country music still supports their legends. That's why George Strait put out an album called Cold Bear Conversation, and that shit went platinum. George Strait been in the game for at least, what, 30, 40 years? And he's yeah. still getting platinum records. Why? Because the the fans go and buy the CD, and they download. They do all of it. They 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 get the CD, and um t- Tim McGraw and Faith Hill's new inc- incredible album, by the way, their their first album together as husband and wife. Even though we've known them for years of doing shit together, I think it's on his way to platinum now. Makes perfect sense, and it's just almost like. That's why I said yes and no, because even in genres, I mean, some people will. Like like Gretchen Wilson, who I'm a huge fan of, she did the major label thing for four albums. You know, her first two or three albums did real good, and then I think the last two didn't do so hot, didn't hear from her for another year, and the next thing you know, she's out there now putting music on her own label. And that's how you know that she definitely went through some shit with, the, with, with Sony Music, because nobody just comes out and says, I'm going to do my own thing. I think she realized... I could profit more for doing my own thing now that I have a huge fan base. I could just do my own thing, but my own shows and, and not be a part of that particular machine. So that's and that's country music. So I just think it doesn't discriminate um, genres. I just think that the more smarter one becomes, the more they can attain no matter what genre it is.
1: And do you think talent and ambitious ambition sometimes outweigh uh, all the, you know, backstabbing and bullshit that goes on. I mean, the reason I bring <laughs> the reason I bring this up is, I mean, I a lot of people may not know, but I've never been a fan of Mariah Carey, and this whole thing where she keeps coming back every New Year's Eve and sucking it up. I still love her. I, mm-hmm. but that's just one example. There's, you know, other examples out there. I just don't mm-hmm. understand how. I mean. And, and and not that I'm trying to knock Whitney Houston, but no, no, no. end of her mm-hmm. career, she couldn't sing, let's be honest. Like, mm-hmm. the, from the drugs and all the shit that she went through, mm-hmm. she had, she she didn't end on a good note, no pun intended. But you know what I mean? No, no.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: you made, you know, posts and stuff that I totally agree with, like, come on, people, why are you supporting somebody that is blatantly lost? their way. I'm not saying that Mariah Carey can't get her voice back Mm or if things were different in Whitney Houston's not that I was a big Whitney Houston fan but she did have pipes. You can't deny that. Absolutely. Why can't, you know, so I just feel as you may know that I always try to support talent and support people that may not be recognized or may not get the notoriety Mm -hmm. above the big name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so my question is, why do you think that? <laughs> I mean, you've made posts and you've made it vocal how you feel, but maybe to have people that may not know you or may not know me, and finally, uh-huh. why do you think people are still? There's still so much money behind people that aren't as talented, and there should be money behind people that are. That?
2: Because. um <laughs> It's another great question, because think about it. Wendy Williams said it best, and I usually don't agree with everything she says, but she said one thing I had no choice but to agree with. Everybody loves a good train wreck, unfortunately. And the thing is that, you know, blame that on the media, sensationalism, that part of journalism, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of times what happens is that there's still this belief because it's called the milking of the cow. We own you. So at the end of the day, you know, Mariah Carey, who pretty much, in my opinion, unless she chooses to get her voice together, she's seen her better years. Dial-Hard fans are going to hold on to her, of course, because you got to remember, when you got nine platinum records and, and a Christmas song that that will never die, <laughs> it, it's, it pretty much keeps you in that that space. But however in terms of the promotion of it and in terms of what a label can do or what the money that goes behind it, it is a waste of time. I totally agree with you. I I I ask my I ask that question myself sometimes. Like, you know, y'all can you know all the people, y'all gonna continue to still put money behind this whole thing. But, you know, that's just the way it is. And like I said, some people like to invest in continuous train wrecks because for some people that can be the only thing to keep their their label going, you understand what I'm saying? So when you have that aspect of it, it's going to always be a weird thing for a lot of the um the 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 record labels that are putting money into these acts that are not able to really pr- produce anything, and then and it becomes a cycle. I mean, that's why we know that certain groups, you know, or certain um artists that do, they'll do the songs that people want to hear. They'll go on the road and do all this other stuff. But then you'll have, the, like you said, the lesser-known artists that are not getting the kind of attention or the promotional dollars to promote what could possibly save their label. I'll give you a perfect example: um, Rockefeller Records. When that whole situation happened, Kanye was the oddball. I don't know if you know the, the history behind that. They didn't want to sign Kanye. They they wanted his beats because you know Kanye. You know, at that point, he was a great. Producer with the tracks and everything like that. and He had a style that nobody really had. So they were like, "Oh, you know, we we weren't eager to sign him because you know, here we are, you know, these hood niggas with with, with no with, with with no father figures, and here comes this preppy Chicago kid who can be annoying as hell." <laughs> and eventually, they did sign him. Damon, Dad, they actually did sign Kanye because, and they, and I quote. They didn't sign him because they believed in his talent. They signed him because after what he did for Jay-Z's Blueprint album, you know, which was a classic Jay-Z album, and that was more, and that was due to Kanye's choice of sampling, they were like, we want some more of that fire. So, you know
1: what? Let's just sign him anyway.
2: He might not really do it for us, because at that time they had, you know, Beanie Siegel, Memphis Blee, and those guys were hot. But here's the funny shit. The little Chicago kid ended up becoming the second biggest guy on that label. You understand what I'm saying? He eclipsed all of them. It got to a point that when the Rockefeller crew broke up, he was the only one still representing the Rockefeller movement besides Jay-Z and then, you know, Bleak had been reduced to a side man role, but Kanye became a hot artist. At one point, you know, everybody know at one point, Kanye, he was that dude. He was that guy. And, you know, not as close to Jay-Z being in big in popularity, but that's only because of the fact that he couldn't keep his mouth shut. But Their whole premise of what I'm saying is that they weren't as eager to put the same kind of push behind him as they had did all the other guys who were affiliated. So, again, it's a two-way street. There's a lot of people. I always say this. Labels choose to invest what they want to invest in. Some people's hands are forced, you know. That happens often. Some people hands of force where, you know, if the act is just so good they can't deny it, they may not even be crazy about them. But when they see the people respond, it's like, oh, we got to get behind this. And that's more money for them anyway. So if they were to refuse it, no checks won't be deposited in their accounts because at the end of the day, and I hate to say it like this, for the most part, you'll have a couple of guys that care about the art and the music they put out. But at the end of the day, it's all about the money, baby. It's about the money. If that artist can generate money or generate ratings, that's what they're going to go with. That's the reason why Mariah Carey was invited back for a second year, even though she was horrible um, last year and this year, in, in, in this year past, no different. But everybody likes. To, everybody was going to watch anyway because they waiting to see if she going to come back like the Mariah we know, or she's going to slip and fall again vocally. Either way, people were watching. So that was a smart move on ABC's part to bring her back. So, yeah, so at the end of the day, it's about ratings and dollars. And if if, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense, to quote DJ Quick. That's true. It's a lot of that happening, too. And then, of course, no matter how bad Mariah is, she's still going to be the draw because she's Mariah Carey and one of the last few females of the 90s that we still have
1: left. So, yeah. It, it's just—it's just funny because I don't know. Maybe because as somebody passionate about music and as a whole, it's just sometimes you just look at the industry and you're just like, mm-hmm. "Why has it come to such, you know, for lack of a better word, corruption in a way?" But then again,
2: well, well, a lot of industry. Co- well, the corruption's been there. You know that, or I told you that already. The corruption—corruption's the been there. I mean, you gotta remember. The the um the the music industry or record label system is almost like the school system. It's designed for you to fail. So unle- again, unless you have a good lawyer and good business sense and know how to keep your shit intact, then you're pretty much you're, you're you're going you're going in blindsided. You already know unless you just know that you're going to get you know for lack of a better phrase raped and fucked in this business. So the thing is that unless you know what's going on. Or you just know what's going on, but you choose not to care. I've given so many, I've given so much advice to so many people that want to get in. And I would tell them certain things, and you know, some listen, some didn't. You know, and it's not even just major label because independent record labels can fuck you over too. So that's why I'm saying it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. You just have a better shot at more ownership with an independent label, depending on what you're doing, unless you put it out yourself. Or it'd be like Chance the Rapper, who is an independent artist. He's now on the major label, but Chance is almost a millionaire now. See my point? Yeah. He made some smart decisions.
1: So, not to really shift off music, but um, another thing that I've been agreeing is, you know, I'm just dumbfounded by everybody supporting our current president. And
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I know everybody's gonna feel we're so polarized right now and Oh yeah, But but what I wanna bring about is real talk based on the fact that why can't why can't why are people so desensitized or not understanding what humanity is and human decency. Is? I island. Like, what I'm getting at is, you may, people have all their excuses for why they voted for them. Uh I was not mm-hmm. one of them, but. Okay. But, you know, your your argument of, oh, let's just shake things up. We're not mm-hmm. shaking things up has gotten really serious. And not that it wasn't serious before, but. So to kind of go with, you know, you've been doing Facebook Live posts and all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. from your end, especially since there's people out there that are like, well, he's not racist. Uh, <laughs> what planet are you on? Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for real.
1: So, I, I, I mean, just, not you know, to sorry. not to, like, get all political all of a sudden, but just to kind of touch on this, because I just feel like there's just not, people aren't being real with what's going on. So, what is your take mm-hmm.
2: on all of this madness going on? Um, you you summed You summarized it, but pretty much, um, yeah. I mean, you really have to either be blind, retarded, or stupid. Ray Charles can even see that if he was still alive. And the thing what, what makes me upset is when people try to curve the actual factual shit that's right there. And it's not like it's a thing where you have to determine if you knew somebody that actually was. Because it's almost like we're living in a twilight zone where so many presidents, even if they felt that way, they wouldn't have opened their mouth to say what this guy says every time he gets in front of a podium. And the thing is that they figured the whole element of well, you know he's our president, and we still have to respect him and I'm like, no, you don't. It's a basic I don't know what I call it it's common sense. I'm not going to respect anybody that does not respect me, my family, or people that I love. Why would I want to be associated with you and that's the question if you saw the Lafayette, that's the question I was putting out there, and everybody had all these I even gave the scenario you saw the scenario I gave right I gave a scenario about. Um, the bully, and and and, Jew, and let's just, let's say that I'm a black man, and and you're a, and you're a Jewish guy, and we friends, and you see me conversing and hanging hard with people that do not like Jewish people at all. I don't can't stand them. You still would want to be my friend if I have no intentions of letting them go or distancing myself from them, since we don't share the same belief you got to ask yourself that. And and see, nobody really had an answer because, like I always tell you, I mean, if you notice on my other posts, what do I always say about politics? There's Facebook politics and there's the real politics. Facebook politics is pretty much, you know, and when I say Facebook, I mean all social media in general. I'm saying Facebook because it sounds better. But (laughs) Facebook politics is filled with a bunch of people whether they're Republican, you know, Democrat, independent, is filled with a bunch of people that are only these things because of what their mother and their father was, not because they necessarily know or study political science the way that I did, the way that so many other people did. There's a difference, and I hate to say it like that. That's why the woman's like, oh, he thinks he's better than everybody. I said, no, I'm just smarter than the average person. Than most people that really know – I'm not the only one. There's a lot of us that are, like, that are like me too that actually know the deal and the real political thing because it seems like every time when I talk about the history of America's inception, everybody wants to get quiet. You've seen it before. When I would post on Twitter and I would put it on there, some people would get with it, and then people just – all of a sudden, you don't have nothing to say. But let me put up a post about – about um, P-Funk or New Kids on the Block or New Edition or any one of the people that brought us together, everybody got something to say, but they to stay. They want to stay quiet because they don't want to be outed or they don't want to look like – and that's something I've always thought about too because when I spoke on the real subjects like police brutality and corruption and all these different things, value and racism, they want to be silent. And I'll say if you're silent about my oppression, you are, you're my oppressor. Because that means, you know, my my mother always told me, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I don't care what anybody says. When you vote for anybody, whether it's the mayor, um, I don't know, the mayor, the president, you know, any one of the titles that associate with politics or for a city councilman, anytime you vote for any one of these people, you are voting, you're saying, I agree with your ideals. And people are like, well, you know, I don't agree with that part, but I'll get, no, you agree with it all because you voted. You took your time out to go to that poll and voted for him or her, depending on who we're talking about. So at the end of the day, if you don't agree with what a person is saying, see, it's one thing if we say, um... I feel taxes should be cut. Well, I don't feel taxes should be cut. Okay, that's something a little bit, you know, because taxes, it affects everybody. But everybody can have a different opinion on that, and nobody's being harmed. But when you talk about a race of people, that's a fucking problem. That's a problem. It's a pinpointed problem. It's not the first time. The first time was campaign trail, he assaulted Mexican people. Look at the pattern. Right. So anybody choosing to sit there and make an argument with somebody like me who has been proven to know, love, and respect everybody, no matter what race they are, do my music and do my interactions with people. Because my actions speak louder than my words do. That's what I said. Me, any fan that's ever met me or hung with me after a show. So coming from me... The first instinct of that person who supports Trump should be able to be like, he has a point, but instead they want to make these little tidbit things and make an excuse on, well, you know, I picked the lesser of the two evils. No, stupid. Evil is evil. Ain't no such thing as no lesser of the two evils. You You do wrong or you do wrong, period. What's wrong is wrong. Ain't no getting around it. And the bottom line is that even if that was your choice, What ideals are you supporting? You may not agree with everything that Hillary did, but I can assure you and promise you, knowing the type of reputation that she built on a speech level along with her husband, Bill Clinton, he wouldn't have said no shit like that about Haiti. She wouldn't have said nothing like that. Right. And think about it. She wouldn't have because look at all the time she had now. She didn't win the election. If she really felt that way, it would have been expressed already. So they can argue all day and try to bring it up, and say, "Well, you know, she did this. Her name is Killer. Whatever." Okay, Roger, You can. Everybody can have an opinion when it comes to something that did. But when you start talking about race, it's a difference. And the last shot in the arm of that statement that he made about Haiti he said, "I'd rather let people from Norway in." What is that saying to you? Come on, nobody. i just use common sense. What's the percentage of race in Norway? White. Come on, see that, and you and you can slice that any way you want to. I was laughing because I'm looking at all these, you know, all these people in the administration trying to make a skin. Well, you know, he did. Well, and then what they do is that they'll put the token black guy out there. They put the, the Ben Carson or the Steve Harvey or or the other guy. Um, they even got Martin Luther King's kidding on it now, which pissed me the hell off. Because I'm just like, your father's probably turning over in his grave right now. The fact that you're 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 you're, you're synonymizing yourself with somebody that clearly does not give a fuck about us on no level. He never did and never will. When this man said, I've done so much for African-Americans, I laughed. I said, you you never done nothing. When you were in New York, you done nothing for us, nothing. Because like I said before, I don't know if you remember the post that I had put out a while back, I said, if Donald Trump really cared about low-income housing and poverty, all over the New York City hoods of every five boroughs, tell me why he didn't build a school or implement a real estate program to teach young black and Hispanic kids how to do real estate like and get rich over real estate like he did. Right. If you really care, and guess what, nobody had an answer. I remember when I put that post up. Motherfuckers got real quiet. <laughs> real quiet because nobody, again, it's even quiet for two things, either it hits home. Or you don't want to admit that you're wrong or you don't want to admit that you're supporting somebody who is a blatant, racist, bigoted asshole. So there's no getting around it. And if people choose to continue, that's why I made my statement. I'm the kind of person, as you know, as you know, we've known each other for years. I don't really care about losing the idiots. As long as I have the smart people, I'm good with followers and things on social media. It's okay if if the idiots unfollow me and they don't want to. You know, oh, he talks about passes. Why we got to pull it? And people asked me the other time, and I have to, and I gave them an answer because they don't want to hear the truth. Why does a race car got to always be pulled? I said because we're not the ones who created it. <laughs> Hello.
1: Exactly. We didn't create
2: the race car. The race car was created when America. And its leaders decided to get together to create a nation that was supposed to be for all people but said, we're going to stand for everybody except for you black and brown and red-looking niggas, period. It's the history. That's why I said. You got to look at the history of why and how this country was built. But no, as soon as Trump said something about our beloved military, that's why I made the point. See, every time they tried to make a point, that's why I know they can't stand me. I know they can't stand me when I talk, and it was like now all of a sudden, oh, he thinks he nuts And no, I'm dropping facts. Don't get mad at me. These are the facts. I'm not even opinion. You already know already, but I'm dropping the facts on why my opinion is what it is. This is not hearsay. This is real facts. Don't tell me no shit about about military and armed forces because my grandfather served in World War II. He fought for this country proudly and still came home to get treated like a nigger. So come on, stop it! Now it's like they try to use all these viewpoints to back up Trump's philosophy. Oh, yeah, because you see, the economy got the boost. I'm like, yeah, but what is it doing for the low income housing people? Nothing. What is it doing for them? Nothing. Is it doing something for you? Did Trump give everybody a um a free room that at at at, at his hotel suites when when he won for everybody that voted for him? <laughs> right.
1: Well, and, you know, and I always like to point not. out the fact that it. The fact that when you look... Okay, so he has a tower in Vegas. It's off-strip. But he is the only one in Vegas that doesn't have a casino. And that's because the gaming commission doesn't trust him. Of course. And yet, people are like, well, um, you know, the the gaming commission is corrupt and gambling and all that bullshit. Yeah, I agree. But when you're in Mm -hmm. a... that thrives on tourism and gambling... And there's hundreds and hundreds of hotels and casinos in the city. I know I lived there. I saw this. Of course. And, and then when, you know, he comes in, he has a big name. It's a junk tower and a hotel, but it's the only one where people can't, there's no casino. Mm-hmm. Isn't, that, isn't that funny to anybody? Like, and this was years before he even announced he was running. You know what I mean? It's been like that since it was built. Of
2: course, of course. It's propaganda for a reason because anybody that knows the history of Donald Trump, you see the post I put up today, right, that Donnie Deutsch said on, um, on Wendy Williams today.
1: Yeah, I he saw that. And, it's, and, and he
2: said that, and, this, and mind you, the reason why I have to make the point, because Donnie is a white Jewish businessman from Queens, which is where Donald Trump is from too. He's telling you that it don't get no more real. He said, I've known this guy for 20 years. He's an absolute racist bigot. So he ain't got nothing to lose. And mind you, he's, Donnie's rich. Donnie's a millionaire. He got, you know, his, his father owned one of the biggest advertising agencies in New York City. So, he you know, he's well off. So another, because everybody well is, um, If you're not white, rich and white, then it doesn't really apply. I said, well, here's a, another rich white dude. Telling you, telling everybody, yeah, this dude is bad news. It don't get no more transparent than that.
1: Yeah, when you're, yeah, exactly. When people who fall in the same categories of you as a fundamental person are saying, "Hmm, yeah, I don't really like this dude because of his issues. Mm -hmm. Why, Why aren't people just reading that as a freaking headline? Like, okay, something's seriously wrong. And and,
2: and and Yeah, and, and that's why I made my point the, um, about Obama, and I said it very blatantly because, you know, you know what they try to do with us sometimes, you know, they'll always try to throw the whole, well, mostly of y'all voting for Obama because he's black, which was dumb as hell. I said, no, I voted for Obama because he's super intelligent and his ideals represent my ideals about American life and American people, bottom line. That's why if you want to get, I usually don't get into explanations like that, but I have to let it be known why I voted for Obama. Because if a white man had the same qualifications, which it has been, then I would vote for him too. I don't care about your color. It's what you're talking about. What you're talking about? What What are you saying to me? And, and even, God forbid, if you don't get all of it done, because that's just the way it is. Politicians, you know, it is what it is. We, if we know the history of American government, we already know that the presidents are not the one running the show. That's why a lot of I don't even argue with people, because they still think presidents run the country. But in fifth grade, I was taught about the three branches of government, legislative, executive, and judicial. Anybody that doesn't know that you wasn't paying attention to your school because it tells you right there who's in charge right. of america so i you know this is why I don't get into stuff, but I had to make it I was trying to make my point about um I said if Barack Obama and I voted for him, I said if Barack Obama had gotten on a podium and said. I absolutely hate Haitian people. Haiti's a shithole country. Transgenders, homosexuals should not be in the military. I disagree with that. Guess what? Fuck him. He gets no vote from me. I sever my ties because where I'm from, we don't sit and rock with the enemy. That's not what America is about. If America is freedom for all people, it should be just that. Even if you don't agree with their lifestyle, you should still be able to say, you know what, it's not really my thing, but this is America, and you have a right to live however you want. I agree. That's what America is about. You understand what I'm saying? Because people had a problem with Obama. He's like, well, he's a, yeah, because he's supposed to be, I said, yeah, but you have to understand, God's not the president of the United States. There's a difference. That's your spiritual belief. And even if that's his belief, because I, I said it all the time, I said, listen, y'all know, I don't have nothing against transsexuals or, I don't I don't have anything against anybody on that level. It's not my lifestyle. I don't necessarily agree with it all the way, but guess what? I respect them. I love them. And I stand. I'm like, look, no. I said they have a right to live the way they want to live. Let them as long as they're not hurting nobody or or touching little kids, we're good. And that goes for anybody. Even with me, there's a line. Everybody that has common sense knows that there's a line that you that you ain't supposed to cross.
0: We're right. in a
2: stage now in America where everybody knows that there is a particular line you do not cross. So I say to say to you again, if Barack would have made them same statements that Donald Trump made about Haiti and Africa and I'm a black man, he would no longer get my vote, and I would sever my ties completely. I said I would never vote for him again. I denounce my support for Barack Obama because he's showing his true colors. See that? See how easy that was? Nice. But yet I ask everybody else. do they see my point? But everybody ain't so quick to denounce their support for Trump. They want to get quiet or they want to make up excuses to try to create Dumbass scenarios that don't make sense just so they can have a reason to be like, well, you know, um, I voted for Trump and I'm not a racist. I said you might as well be because look what this man just said about my people in my country, where my ancestors are from. Look what he just says, disrespect to anybody that's of African descent or, or Haitian, West Indian descent. That's disrespectful. So the fact that you're still going to continue to stand with him and promote him and post and put up pictures and shit, no, fuck you. We, we can't be friends. I, I, there's no way in the world I'm going to align my – like i have used the example about the bully in, in my other post yesterday. That's like me sitting with your bully. The person has been bullying you all, all the time, and I'm still hanging out with them. How does that going to make you feel? Right. Knowing that I'm sitting with the bully that used to beat up on you and tease you and I'm sitting there like like it ain't nothing. Where I'm from, that that's that, we call that sucker shit. That sucker shit in the street. That sucker shit. I'm not going to hang with somebody that tried to beat down my little brother in the street. Hell no. Unless he's trying to change his ways and he want to roll with us because we never bothered him. Cause that was always the rule. Don't fuck with nobody that ain't fucking with you. Haiti wasn't thinking about Donald Trump. And here he comes talking about, I don't want people from them shithole countries coming in here to New York. And you agree with that? So you're saying, so you're basically saying you agree with, I don't agree with him. I say, yeah, but you're not denouncing him. I don't see anybody on their pages saying that, oh, he was wrong. I will not stand for this. Those, Those are disgusting remarks. Until I see that publicly, yes, they can call it an assumption, whatever they want to call it. Until I see you stand up publicly against what your leader said in reference to my people, I'm going to view you as a racist, point blank and period. That's just the way it goes. You know?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, right, it's just it's just I, I'm just having a hard time figuring out where people are not understanding human decency. Like,
2: <laughs> because they are still trying to hold on to those beliefs. I told you a lot. A lot of these people that do Facebook politics, like I keep calling it, is that you got to. You, some of them can't even spell. I'll be laughing sometimes. some time. I'm like, you can tell they wasn't very educated. I said because they still spell certain words wrong, and it's being fed through a tube of what they were raised on. Because a person that's going to show you there until, like, if you see when I, when I say it in mind, I'm not bragging or being arrogant by no means. But when, when people know that know my history, they know I used to be a school teacher. I was a school teacher for 13 years. And when I was in college, my majors were political science and journalism. And even before those were my majors, that was my point of interest outside of music and video games. I loved to read. I studied the history of America. My mother's a former Black Panther. My aunt is a former Black Panther. I learned not just from the aspect of, of the black American experience, but to learn why the Panthers were formed, why this existed, why did it happen. It ain't just starting with Martin Luther King. It goes back even further than that. See what I mean? And that's another thing, too, because a lot of people have that thing when well, you know, you already got a holiday in Martin Luther King. It should be, what was your leader about? They always try to use that whole stupid thing about, well, you sound angry, It's it's violent. Martin Luther King wasn't about violence, and you know what I tell them? I said, riot is the language of the unheard. Martin Luther King, shut the hell up. See what I'm saying? Like, you're talking all this shit, and y'all don't realize that he's the one. He wasn't about violence, but he understood. He said, look, riot is the language of the unheard. Translation, if you're not listening to me when I'm protesting peacefully and you still continue to attack me and attack my beliefs, what the hell do you think I'm going to do? to sit there and let you beat me, I'm going to rise up. That's what Malcolm X was about. I'm going to rise up. You're not going to keep putting your hands on me and degrading me and spitting on me. This is what I said. I go back to what I said to you earlier. In order for people to understand racism in the race car, they have to do the knowledge. They have to do the research for something that never really understood just because you hear a couple of stories about Martin Luther King or the Civil Rights Movement, it's deeper than that. We're talking about the history of America here. So, and to, to answer your question, even on, on a deeper level, that's why. That's you are going to continue to see a lot of that because a lot of a lot of racist white folks or white folks who have racist parents, and even though they detach themselves away from those parents, they still have a lack of understanding on why us as black people have to continue to speak about these things and call it for what it is. And then there's a sense of protection because some of these people who argue politics, as you know, their parents were police officers. So as soon as a police brutality thing happens, they want to – who do you think they're going to defend first? Their parents. Of course. Because, see, the thing is that when when I told people that N.W.A.'s Fuck the Police my favorite rap song, of course people had a problem. I mean, y'all really don't care because you have to understand – it's the reason why that's my favorite rap song, I'm not condoning violence, what I'm condoning is that the tone that was written behind that song when they first wrote it was based upon police brutality and police harassment. Right. The L.A. riots, the same way how you see the Harvey Weinstein thing and how the uncovering of all that exposed Hollywood – that's what the L.A. riots did for police brutality, because nobody really believed it until they saw that videotape. We know, because like I said, we know the history. It's been going on for almost forty, fifty something years at the hands of police. You know, I'm not talking about criminals that deserve to get their ass whipped or shot. That's pretty obvious. If you did the crime, and you should have the share the crime. You deserve to get shot. Ain't no ain't, ain't no, ain't no, ain't no comparison to buying that. But what about the innocent young black men who had their hands up? Eric Gardner, who did not fight police, but they choked him to death. And the and the officer got off and was bragging about it. This is right here in New York, where I'm, where I'm from, where I was born and raised. So the fact that anybody can sit there and try to put up a blue shield on their page to defend it, it's a, it's a code, they call it the blue code of honor. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a secret society. Absolutely. Because until I see a cop stand up and be like, nope, that was wrong, we were wrong, I'm going to assume and make the assumption you're in it with them. Of course, I don't have a choice. What am I going to do, be naive and be stupid and be like, oh, you know, they probably didn't really, I guess they got a point. No, fuck that. You didn't stand up for that man's right being violated because the cops did not follow proper procedure in how to arrest somebody or to put somebody under content of arrest. That's bullshit. So, no, I'm not agreeing with any of it. So, I mean, until they take the blinds off of justice, it's going to continue to be what it is. And, you know, and, and as, as I have to continue to speak on it because some people will see it, some people won't, you know?
1: Right. I mean, I agree, but I just feel that it's good to have these conversations and not censor them and not, and be real, and that's why I respect you, and that's why I've been a fan ever since we met years ago, because mm-hmm. I'm the same way, I just don't feel like sugar-coating helped anybody.
2: No, it, it never did, on no level. Whether we talk about politics, music, I always tell, and even the music industry, I said, if we have more people that be as real as I am, or as real as Prince was, there wouldn't be any of that shit, because you got nowhere to run and hide. But see, have these little spots now, and thanks to the Internet and thanks to social media, everybody want to hide behind the computer right. and say their little shit and then duck and run and whatever, and then they sugarcoat it, try to sweeten it up. Or then, again, you get attacked for saying what you say, and then people are not understanding why you're saying it because they just figured, oh, he's just being this guy or she's being this. I said, no, because I'm, I'm America's worst nightmare. I'm young, black, and I'm intelligent, and I know my business. They hate that. They don't want to see that. You know, and I'm going to say it, I'm, I'm, I'm unapologetically black on that level because considering what my people have been through, and that's why I always tell people, I said, look, no disrespect to anybody, and they're like, racism goes both ways. I said, that's common sense because I don't, I don't even allow black people to talk about white people that support us. No, Sit, shut your ass up. I tell them in a minute, if they're here supporting from the heart, support them. They're standing with us. You know, they may not know all the history about what we went through, and they probably will never understand it. We know that already. That's common sense. Like I told people, until you had to walk down a block with a white girlfriend like I did at one point. when I was dating this Austrian girl years ago, and we walked down the block, and these black Israelites, you probably heard of them, you know, very, very radical. You know, like this brother here, see, he don't know no better. He just walking on the street with his snow bunny bitch, and it took everything in me not to lunge at him. But I'm just like, no, nope, I'm not going to do it. I said, because that's what they They want me to do that. So, yeah, I don't agree with that, and that's my black brother. He's the same skin as I do, but apparently he feels I shouldn't date a white woman as opposed to me being a strong black man that chooses to date whoever he wants to or whoever he's in love with. See that? Look how confident I am when I make that statement as a black man, and that has nothing to do with my sisters because my sisters come first. I'm a black man, so obviously I, I, I attract Black women, that's just what it is. But I don't – I never sat there and said, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm like, look, whoever I'm feeling at the time, if she's Asian, Caucasian, Malaysian, mm-hmm. I don't care. At that particular point, is is what it is. Right. If she got I mean, a I good mix, she's me? Yeah, mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So they have to get that part of the understanding first to the ducking instead of using that as a means to – to to say certain things like that and thinking that I'm gonna run and hide because they say oh it's this is ways I said no because until you can walk down the block in the 1950s and have a white girlfriend who do you think they're gonna beat first who do they gonna come after first they gonna come after the white girl if they they just gonna call her they gonna just just call her a nigga lover and probably spit at her and tell her to get about her merry way me I get the I get the shit beat out of me if it was Mississippi or Alabama. This is the 1950s, and this is, again, why people got to understand that sugar coating does not help anything. That's why I'm very real and I'm candid with it. I don't have a problem saying the word nigga because that has no effect on me. I know who I am at the end of the day, and this is why they'll try to use these different things and try to bring up certain things to prove their point. And that's how you can tell who's politically smart because a lot of if you see them on, on the Internet, a lot of them aren't. I had two of them on follow me, and I guess she was a fan. She's probably not a law fan no more, and I really don't give a shit because, again, enough is enough. When this, when when racism is this blatant at the hands of the leader of the free world, which is America, we have a problem, and we're not addressing it. Everybody wants to sugarcoat and hide behind their their beliefs that their parents taught them and and what they feel he can do for the economy and everything else. Man, you need to get real. This is about our babies, our kids, our young kids that have to watch that. Our young Haitian kids who migrated here to America and they have to hear about their country being disrespected. Yeah, it's deeper than that. You know, you understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Well, we could chat all day about pretty much every subject, but I, I, I you know, want to. Wanted to have you on my podcast again because it's nice to... I like, as you well know, to talk to people that are real. And Thank you. so I love
2: I love being on here. Thank you so much for allowing me to, to speak to no you. No problem.
1: And and for those listeners out there, I'm not joking. This, when we go back to the music aspect that we already talked about in the beginning of the episode, just go... If you're not if you're not so sure about buying Lon's albums, at least go on Spotify because we talked about now that they're on Spotify. If you stream them first and then go buy them, because you will like. Them, that's how I see it. Um, and if you have gigs, mostly in New York, right? Because um, I know you you're based in New York City.
2: Yeah, yeah. We have most. We're, we're working on some other areas now. Um, I, I broke through to the California market last year. I mean, that's my second hometown. So now, hopefully. We'll be doing a lot more shows on the West Coast, and we're working on the Midwest too because, as you know, when you're independent artists, you need consistent team players, and you can't book the kind of gigs you want to book unless we do that. I've been at a certain level in the industry where I feel like, okay, if I'm going to do this, this has to happen, so that's why I've notice, noticed when I have corporate gigs. I always make sure I come out and greet the fans even when I don't have an open show because I want to show them that I appreciate all the support on, on the net. If you bought the album or if you bought it physically, I sign it for you. We'll hang out somewhere. I, I try to keep that connection with my fans even when I don't have a show in their town. But it's mostly definitely New York based. All
1: right. Yeah, well, I'm. you know, all the listeners who will listen to this, uh I mean, I'll put links up and all that kind of stuff in the description, but I just wanted to point that out to people that if you happen to come across, be in New York or you live in New York, to come check one of your gigs out. Because evident as all the videos you post, because I haven't, and I obviously I live out here in Arizona, so I'm not able to get off to New York as much as I want to. But Wait, where are you at again? I'm in Arizona. Yeah, so, well, you know, t-
2: t- Tucson's my third home. My, my older brother's out, actually out there now
1: as we speak. Yeah, I live in Phoenix, but I went to school in Tucson. Yeah, see, wow. <laughs> Got you. Um, but, so, I'm just trying to, you know, let people know that you ne- they need to come see you because I've seen videos. I know how, I mean, you hone your craft, so.
2: Thank you. That's, Appreciate that's it. That's why
1: I, I champion and want to let people know that, you're the real
2: deal So, thank you so much for that it's really greatly appreciated like I said at the end of the day it's it's all about the music because if the music wasn't good you know nobody would want to hear shit I have to say so I, I greatly uh, appreciate that first and foremost of your love and your support having me there and, and letting people know. And then just so we clear, at my shows, I don't do a whole lot of talking. That's why you, that's why we have these podcasts and these forums where you get to get in my brain. So hopefully it'll make people want to come and see the show even more because I'm not, I don't use my show. I may make a statement or two, but it's really about the music when I, when I do my shows. So.
1: Alright. Well, thanks again for joining. And yeah, like I said, uh, all the links and stuff will be in the description. So looking forward to, Hearing what you have to say and following you further.
2: Thank you so much, as always. Appreciate it.
1: No problem. Talk to you later.
2: Talk to you later.